welcome to season three of the Media Careers Podcast. We're delighted to bring you more incredible industry guests who are working across the film and media industry. The Media Careers Podcast is delivered in partnership with Interfilm, supported by the BFI awarding National Lottery funding. Please don't forget to hit the little subscribe button so you can be kept up to date with all of the latest episodes and also help us ensure that we reach more people. We really hope you enjoy this episode. is one of the five founding owners of Milk, a multi-award winning independent visual effects company based in London and where she is the chief creative officer. Sarah became the second ever female visual effects Oscar winner when she received a 2016 Academy Award for Best Visual Effects in Alex Garland's feature film Ex Machina, for which she also received a 2016 BAFTA Film Award nomination. Since Milk was launched in 2013, her creative team has created an impressive range of innovative and complex sequences for high-end TV and feature films, winning an Emmy for the BBC in Hartwood's Sherlock and receiving multiple BAFTA Craft Awards for the BBC Doctor Who and Jonathan Strange and Mr Norrell, a role she also fulfilled in Sony's critically acclaimed The Woman King from director Gina Prince-Bythewood. Prior to the launch of Milk, Sarah was the head of 2D at the Mill TV and Film for seven years. During this time, Sarah worked as a visual effects supervisor on feature films including Les Miserables, Dread 3D, The Chronicles of Narnia and many others. She was also the compositing supervisor on The Odd Life of Timothy Green for Disney and on Snow White and the Huntsman for Universal. Sarah also worked on The Mill on a high number of high-profile feature films including Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Black Hawk Dawn and Hannibal as well as HBO's Band of Brothers. There is no doubt that Sarah has had an incredible career, working on amazing projects and establishing an award-winning company, and I can't wait to hear how this has all happened. Sarah, welcome to the Media Careers Podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. I mean, what an incredible career you've had. There's some amazing programmes and films in there. Is it weird hearing it all back listed to you? like? And I didn't even list even like a tiny amount of them. <laughs> Yeah, do you know what? When you were reading it back then, I was like, oh, actually, yeah, there's quite a lot of projects I've done there. Um, yeah. But I've been doing it for quite a while now. So, um, but it's, it's, you forget. And until someone yeah. starts reading it out like that, you're like, oh, yeah, it's actually yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it's good. It's more than pretty good. It's incredible. <laughs> So look, Sarah, on this podcast, we go, we rewind all of that and we start at the very beginning and um, start with your childhood so we can see if there are any patterns between what you were like as a child and kind of what kind of career path you go into. So do you remember what you were like as a young person? Did you have any particular hobbies or interests? Was media on your radar? Um, so not media specifically because I wasn't really aware of it at that point. You know, obviously we watching films and reading books. I think the biggest thing when I was a child is I joined a local sort of amateur theatre. I think as like most young girls do dance, you know, I did at the time. And I used to join the uh, theatre and we did like pantomimes and plays. Uh, and as I got older uh, and obviously realised dance wasn't for me, I sort of went backstage and was helping with like makeup and costume. So that side of it, you know, I really enjoyed and I, I wasn't really aware there was a career in film because, you know, I grew up in a small town. It was nothing we... You didn't get to see any of that or it wasn't talked about as being a career, I think. But it was a long time ago as well, compared yeah. to what it is now when people are talking about it freely and there's courses, etc. There was yeah. not really anything uh, when I came up through the industry or as a young child even. No. I wasn't well, exposed you... to any of it, I guess, yeah. No, and I think that's the thing, kind of 
with the invention of social media, like even just that, that alone has changed how we understand the media industry more broadly, right? And it's a kind of platform for content in itself. So, you know, yeah. there's multiple ways of sourcing information. I mean, I remember like getting big old thick encyclopedias to look up stuff, you know, yeah, stuff has changed yeah. so much that you kind of forget that actually the world of information just generally has changed so much in the last, you know, 20, 30 yeah. years. But what were you like then academically? Did you like school? Was school a good thing for you or was it... Um, for those I, that can't see, there was a funny face pulled. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad this is not recorded as visually. Yeah, I wasn't particularly great at school, to be honest. I think, you know, I was always frustrated and always uh, like impatient. I wouldn't say I was academic. I, I did, you know, I loved art and apparently I was very good at maths. But in terms of school, really, I, I guess I couldn't wait to kind of finish and get the next adventure. You know, I knew I loved film, so I wasn't really aware of, like I said, the careers. I loved watching it, so I knew there was something there. And I think doing the makeup in theatre side made me think I wanted to be a makeup artist and do that side of it. Yeah, so I kind of had a goal early on in terms of what I thought I wanted to do, which was makeup. So, you know, as soon as school was done, I was like, okay, what do I need to do to get on this career path, you know, in terms of universities, etc. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so you were thinking about that quite early then? Like yeah. Once you can't, yeah. Yeah. I know, which is quite weird, you know, and I think about it. When I, you know, I've talked about this before and, and other things, but yeah, I definitely, I think my experience in the theatre side, you know, I loved makeup, I, like, I loved horror films, you know, I used to watch them with my father. Uh, and I think, you know, like makeup and prosthetics, that's yeah. kind of where I thought I was going to land. So I had that awareness, I guess, as yeah. opposed to working, you know, behind the scenes in film and television. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. And so what, where did that take you academically then? When did you, when did you decide to leave school and did that lead to further studies and kind of what, how were you going to try and get to the kind of makeup career that you were after? Uh, so I was really lucky. I, when I finished school, I mean, I wasn't going to do A-levels or stay there. You know, I always wanted to sort of get away as fast as possible. <laughs> so I was really lucky there was, I mean, it was college at the time for me. There was a college that was not far, it's about half an hour from me. And they just opened up a new course, which was, a makeup artist course it was completely trial you know so it was like perfect timing so I went to do that for two years which covered you know fashion makeup prosthetics hairdressing all, all of the everything that goes with that really uh, and that was a two-year course and and really after that I, I kind of went traveling for a, a while but then realized to get the work or to do this career I needed to move to London it was the main place mm. uh, I was going to find uh, work and experience so I came to London and just started working, really, from um, 19. And in makeup as well? Did you land your first job within oh, the makeup, so... in the makeup area or did you end up doing something completely different? Well, it's funny, no. I, I applied to lots of different places. It was really difficult, again, that there wasn't much exposure or, or things I was aware of that I could do. So I actually ended up working initially in a special effects company and they used to do all the pyrotechnics for, like, oh, London's awesome. Burning and TV shows. Oh, London's burning. There's a blast from the Remember park. That? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. Just drop that one in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they did weekend courses. They used to get people from the industry, like well-known sort of makeup and prosthetics people, to do weekend courses that people would pay for and come and do a two-day course. Yeah. So that was brilliant. So I got really involved with that, and I was desperately hoping that I would be able to get an internship or in some junior position, but it just never happened. But you know, it, in hindsight, it was probably a good thing. Uh, and really from there, I there was a, a really lovely man that I worked with and he was one of the engineers, or he did engineering was his background. Anyway, he talked to me about this whole thing called computer visual effects. 
you know and I was like oh what's that you know and he started talking to me about it and anyway he was like oh you know you won't like it <laughs> like geeks and you know it's all computers you know and I was like oh that sounds quite interesting actually so I quickly again you know I just did sent out loads of CVs to various production companies and what I didn't realize were called post houses at the time I thought it was like you know letters like postman <laughs> not really like a post house you know what it actually covers <laughs> uh, so I just applied to a lot of companies and basically got my foot in the door as a runner at one of the companies and that's Amazing. kind of how my career started and that's where it started was just yeah. and having that kind of um, I suppose drive just to keep sending out CVs and letters and just yeah I did I must have sent hundreds uh, and I didn't hear anything I think I got three replies back out of god knows how many I sent anyway it all went pretty quiet for a year I just I think I was working in one of the shops like Laura Ashley or something uh, and then by chance one of the companies that I had sent CVs to and went to visit just called up and said, look, we've got a runner's position. Are you interested? And I was like, literally bit his arm off. I was like, yes, please. <laughs> and that was it. Once I was in. Yeah. And was when you took that first runner's job, was you, once you were in the door there, did that feel like this is where you were meant to be? Had you like kind of in your head gone, oh, okay, I've switched off from makeup and I'm going to go in this direction now? Yeah, was... 100%. I, oh, really? I, mm. Yeah, I think I started the runner's, job uh, and I saw at the time it was kind of commercial sales they did pop runners and commercials a company called Sun Animation which is no longer there but they had these they called them the Henry Suites which was like a bit of software they used to use but for me I remember walking into the first time I went to these suites and it was like oh my god what is this you know there's these guys sat up operating and it was all really interactive and creative and I was like oh, I've got it that that looks amazing so uh, you know it was good coming in as a runner actually because you got to see all the different departments to yeah. kind of figure out where you wanted to go first. Yeah. Uh, like I didn't know compositing at the time was something that I really wanted to do, but I loved what I saw these guys doing, and I was like, I've got to try that. So it was a really good way to see all the different departments within post-production and visual, visual effects. Yeah, and I suppose for you, because that was maybe more important than ever, because you had your heart, you know, you were focusing on the makeup strand, that then to kind of almost do a pivot to then like suddenly work out what that route might look like is maybe more important than we, you know, you probably realised at the time that actually there was all of these different parts as well to the, to the industry. Totally, yeah. Go. yeah. I think, you know, like I said, really the makeup side came from watching films and thinking it was all real, you know, yeah. so I guess it kind of makes sense that actually it wasn't all real, some of it, yeah, but not all of it. Yeah. So it kind of linked for me anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally does. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I was going to ask, for those people that don't know, what does compositing actually involve? For anybody that's like, what does that even so mean? I always uh, put it down to like making a cake. <laughs> so, okay. um, so basically we, we have different departments to create, you know, what you'd see in a shot. So let's say, I don't know, like how Game of Thrones with the dragons, you know, that, that would be designed, the dragon would be designed as a concept as a drawing first. Uh, and then, you know, it would be models in 3D. And then you go to like, texturing, lighting, goes through all the different departments. And then when it gets to compositing, basically the, the 3D has been created in the correct lighting setup. And the compositors take those layers because it comes in layers and we pop it into a, a real live action plate that's been shot on set. Uh, and we add that creature or it could be a car, could be anything. Uh, and we make sure that it sits in the plate and looks completely real and seamless. That's what compositing is basically. Yeah, amazing. Thank you. It's always helpful to kind of just describe it for people. So when you going back to your career, so you were in you were in as a runner, and then what? How did you navigate your first step? Was that into the comp compositing department? Was that kind of your next 
your next yeah I actually from there I there was after the running uh, position I was really lucky it was I only ran for three months because one of the um, tape operators was leaving there was a position that became free so and the tape operators used to run all the all the suites for everybody so they you know they literally is what it is they put tapes in set them up so the Henry suites could use them in the flame suites so I jumped into that position again which was great because that exposed me even more to the intricacies of what everybody was doing. Uh, and you'd also get to get onto the machines to do simple things like adding titles or just rendering stuff out and, and putting it to tape. So it was a really good way and kind of confirmed that, yeah, this is what I want to do. I think from the 3D side, that wasn't really, you know, like modeling. I think lighting is cool, but modeling wasn't really my thing. I like the idea of kind of just sitting with all these elements, putting them all together and, and being the one that finishes the, the look of the shot was like yeah. exciting for me. Yeah, yeah, really exciting. And how did you kind of navigate your way after that? Kind of, you obviously kind of at this point, you knew that this was the way that you were going. Did, yeah. did you have something that you were aiming for? Was it like, because obviously films come come and go, but so there's no, it's not like um, in a lot of industries where you go, oh, I want to aim for this position, but even those, those positions exist. So did, how, how did you kind of envision your career going? Were there particularly post houses or visual effects houses that you wanted to go in? What was? I wasn't even that big at that time. No, no, no. I literally, I was so excited to have the opportunity. I've never seen anything like it. So the first thing which I was I actually found really hard for a few years was I just wanted to be a really good compositor. And it's, you know, and we went, and the software's changed, yeah, to, you know, regularly, or they did at the time. So I started on Henry. I did a little bit in commercials, realised I didn't like it. And then the Mill Film set up in London and a lot of the people I was working with all joined Mill Film. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I was very lucky and I got taken on over there as a junior Roto prep artist, which was kind of the next step really. And I think at the time we were using Flame, that's right, so I had to learn Flame. Mm-hmm. So when you come in as a junior, as a Roto or, or prep artist or paint, you know, it's a really good way to see how compositing works and, and really learn all the basics before you kind of make that run into the compositing world, you know, yeah. which is really hard if you don't have people teaching you and, you know, you have that time to kind of progress into that role. So I did that for uh, probably a couple of years and, you, and you're doing that alongside doing some, you know, junior comps, I guess, and finding your feet. But I do remember at that time, you know, if I couldn't figure things out, getting really, really frustrated and like, what I want to do, and the only thing I was aiming for, honestly, was like, I'd, I'd love to be senior compositor. That was it. Like, really good, have no fear, you know, be able to, like, look at a shot and put it together without having to ask loads of questions. And that mm. was it. And that yeah. was my goal for probably quite a few years around that period. Yeah. Uh, I never looked at companies. I wasn't even aware, you know, that yeah. was people did. I was just, it was always one thing to the next. Okay, what's the next project? What yeah. shot am I working on? How much fun is it? Obviously, the films and the TV shows you're working on are exciting as well. Yeah. I never thought I wanted to, you know, become a manager, set up a company. BFVFX suit was far, far from my mind. You know, yeah, well, that was terrifying at that time. Yeah, well, we'll come on to that. <laughs> we'll come yeah. on to that. But what struck me about what you just said is, is you you're having to learn different softwares as you as you go. As as you said, technology changes all the time and. How how did you manage that? Because that to me feel, feels absolutely terrifying that you're like really skilled in one software and then actually because technology's changed, actually something, you know, as you said, flame flame came on. And then you've got to like carry on with your job as normal. Like how do you even like that feels 
un, like unbelievably scary. But obviously, you're you know you're experts in your field for a reason because you're adapt to that. But how did you manage that when you were starting out? And suddenly, as you said, when you took on that job at the mill, for example, how did you then manage that versus the demands of a day job, kind of getting yes. the job done? Yeah, because, you know, the process is still the same. You're still a compositor, so the training is still the same. You just yeah. have to do it in a slightly different way with yeah. slightly different tools. You know, so uh, it's like jumping from a PC to a Mac, you know, maybe a bit more extreme from Flame to... So basically all the software's changed. You know, I started on Henry. I went to Flame. That was when I first went to Millfilm as a sort of junior. And then very quickly, people started to move to Shake, uh, which was another bit of software. So you just have to make that transition and just yeah. figure it out basically there is no other way I mean we yeah. a lot of the guys and the girls I was working with you know we were all in that same boat so you know you'd be like oh how do you do uh where's the paint node again or where's this you know so you'd all kind of figure it out together and it's just before you know it you're like you're you've in just it and doing it uh, and you're always like you're always finding new tools in any bit of software to be honest yeah. I mean unless you're at it all the time you know and it went from like shake I even did combustion and then finally ended up on nuke and actually, the biggest jump, I think, for me was going from Shake to Nuke. Was it? Again, okay. You know, but that was a learning process. But you kind of have to bite the bullet, get yeah, on, you do, get on there, and that's the only way to learn it and yeah. scramble through it and yeah. see the things that you make mistakes on and improve on the next one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. And as you're right, like, if you, and this is your job, you just have to, as you say, I just kind of suck it up and get on with it. Like, the job needs yeah. to be done. So, like, yeah. you learn it, you learn it quick. Yeah, you learn on your feet, and it's good, you know, it's a really good learning curve and, and exciting. You know, even when it's terrifying, you still, you always get there in the end. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Sarah, how does it feel to be working on some, like, when you're kind of at the mill, like, when you're working on some of these incredible, big budget, big brand films, Does how does that feel when you're actually kind of working on some of the shots? And do you, are you do you even pay any attention to the fact that it might be Harry Potter or the Chronicles or not? not do you, or is it just like, right, we just concentrate on this show? Does that kind of... the the, I suppose, yeah. the, the glitz does that glitz ever kind of feed into your your thoughts at the time not really it's, it's because no. you look at the image you know initially when you know you're going on to a project let's say at that time you're like oh you know i'm saying that harry potter you know we i did the first one that was my first big like this is brilliant really exciting you know and i'd read the books uh prior to actually jumping onto the film so that for that reason that was brilliant not for anything around you know i, I guess any actors in there it was just like, this is great. I've read a book. Oh, my God, I'm working in film. I'm going to help create the images that people are going to watch. You know, this is, like, really exciting. My first proper shot that I did was on Harry Potter. Harry Potter 1, I think it was. Yeah. And I remember working through this shot, and it's great because I find it really exciting. Even talking about it now makes me excited. You know, and you'd sit there and you have your headphones on, your music, and you're putting all these layers together. And it's for me, it's like, I guess if you were painting, you just get really into it and all the detail, you know, and then... When you get your shot, you know, you have to go down to the screening room and, you you know, you sit there and you show the supervisor and all the creatives your shot. And when you get that, like, it looks great, it's a final, it's like the best feeling in the world. And it was, you know, when I, that first job that I did with Harry Potter, yeah. it was just amazing. And I was like, yeah, and that was it. You just keep going, you know. And I think, yeah, the, you're right, the bigger films you do, I mean, of course, you, like we did Black Hawk Down at um, Mill Film and it wasn't so much the actors, I think, they said, uh, and I was really junior still at the time, and they said, Ridley Scott's coming in. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. I haven't got to show him anything, have I? <laughs> and they were like, <laughs> they're like, no, no, don't worry. The senior guys will just sit on the flames and show the shots. And I was like, oh, phew, okay. Anyway, I was sort of sat down, just getting on my work. And suddenly, my supervisor and producer at the time 
were like, um, okay, get ready, just put your shot up. Uh, Ridley's coming over. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and it was like, just breathe, breathe. You know, and I remember he came up behind me and he was like, okay, okay, play the shot, play the shot. So I play the shot and then loop it. And there's just silence behind me. And in the meantime, he was just like puffing on this massive cigar. This is a long time ago, I remember. Yeah, when um, you could smoke yeah, inside. Yeah, when you could smoke inside. Yeah. Uh, and I was just remember this cigar smoke just coming over and that surreal moment. I'm showing my shot. <laughs> anyway, he was like, yeah, I love it. I love it. It's great. And he walked away. But before he walked away, he sort of put his cigar down on the side and walked off. And I remember just going, oh, my God, this is like amazing. It's really Scott. And one of the guys I was with who was next to me came running over and picked up the cigar and took it as a souvenir. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it does. Uh, I guess it does affect people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love, I love that story. <laughs> I love that. Souvenirs from all sorts of different places. <laughs> love it. Yeah. So, I wonder if he's still got it, actually. <laughs> yeah, do you know? Yeah, I begged, and probably though, like, and also for you, that's like such a visual image that you've described as well. I mean, it's, I literally, I, I remember running out and got calling my brother, going, "Oh my god, you won't believe it! Ridley Scott just stood behind me." Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, really, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> so you spend what kind of quite a long time at the mill, don't you? Kind of progressing your career and and building up. You, so you get to supervisor level at that point, do you? I, I so mill film. I was a compositor, uh, and then we kind of did a shift, which we jumped to another few companies. Still as a compositor, okay. it wasn't until I came back to what then became Mill TV with mm-hmm. Doctor Who that I was asked to manage the compositing department as a supervisor for that. Okay. Okay. Uh, so that was kind of the next step, yeah. Is that something that you just wait for somebody to ask you to fulfil that position? Or is it something that you're striving for? You put it out there like, oh, I'm quite, I'm, I think I'm ready. Like, how do you, how Not do me. you navigate? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, people do. And it's good, you know. I, Like I said, I, I think I was just really enjoying the positing And, you know, I was quite getting quite senior at that. I was very senior at that point. But, you know, again, Mill TV was a, a newer kind of startup again. Uh, I think there was about 40 of us there at the time. So and we didn't really have uh, the structure like you do now. Uh, we have heads of department, et cetera. We didn't really need it with 40 people. Mm. So I was asked, and initially I was like, not really. I don't really think it's for me. I've never really thought of doing that side of it, having to manage people. But anyway, they were like, just give it a go, you know, see how you get on. Uh, and that was it. So I kind of got into that stage of doing it, supervising, but still compositing. And it was small enough that it was okay. I think, you know, I managed, I don't know, at that time maybe eight people so it was okay but again nothing I ever really wanted to do and then yeah it just sort of continued from there yeah it sounds as though you just loved your job so much that it's just you know the kind of career journey wasn't ever really on your radar because you just loved the kind of the job exactly, that you were yeah. doing yeah that's so interesting but you yeah. but you do get to a point where you establish your own company Milk which is the company that you, right. you run now that's that's a big step, isn't it? Like, as you said, like when you were starting out, kind of running your own company wasn't even remotely on your radar. So, how did how did that conversation even come about? Going, well, okay, us five, let's rock up and start our own company. Like, how does that? It's hard to be now, like when I think about it, because we've already done it. But um, we were still part of Mill um, TV and Film at the time. Yeah, I think the writer strike had just happened, which obviously affected uh, long form like film and television. So it wasn't the best time. And at the time, mill, the mill themselves, who were obviously known as a sort of commercials powerhouse, were going through changes. And we were like, you know, a sort of add-on to the mill at that yeah. time. And, and I think we're probably about 40, 50 people still. 
Uh, anyway, they decided that they didn't want to continue doing long form and they wanted to just concentrate on commercials. Uh, okay. We knew it was coming and there was five of us, six of us at the time, and we were like, well, why don't we do something crazy, like, you know, just set up our own company? <laughs> and we'd been working on Doctor Who at that period, so we knew we had work um, already lined up. We were leasing a floor from another building, which was all through the mill, and we thought, well, we could just take over the lease, you know, and we'd just keep going. So, again, didn't really... We didn't really have a lot of business sense, I don't think, at the time when we were doing it. It was more a drive out of the passion for keeping going as a team, because we had a really good team. You know, yeah. we were very early doing episodic TV at the time when most companies weren't even looking at it. They were all still doing film. Mm. So we thought, you know, it's a really good thing here with uh, people. We all liked each other. We all had separate roles within the company we were at anyway. So we were like, let's just, why not? Just give it a go. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how we started. It was on a bit of faith and uh, passion for what we do, I think. Yeah, and obviously good teamwork as well. You obviously felt that kind of gel and connection between you that actually if you did set up your own company that actually this would work because, yeah. as you said, you've all got your different roles and we work together as a team anyway, so why would we not kind of give it a shot? And yeah. What, and what was that first like then, Sarah, just kind of that kind of first few months or first year of running Milk? Was it... Was it a completely bonkers ride or does it, was it, did it all just kind of fit into place? No, it was really fun to start, to be honest. I think you mm. know, it was all a novelty. Uh, you know, we had, we weren't bogged down with um, like a legacy of software and equipment, you know, that we had to stick to and a render farm. You know, yeah. it was all fresh and new out of the box. So we could buy bespoke softwares, you know, that was all new and write our own uh, tools for it. So it was really, really fun, you know. So the beginning was great. We had a like obviously a great year um, in 2016, which mm-hmm. really was just like amazing and phenomenal for a brand new company. And then it started to struggle, you know. Then it it was difficult. I mean, running a business, you know, it, it's quite difficult, especially in visual effects. And it's very, you know, if the market changes. Like we've just come out of the back end of like one of the worst strikes we've had in decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really is a knock-on effect. And because we're in post, you know, we. We have to wait for everybody to get back up and running, shoot what they need to shoot before it comes anywhere near post-production. So, yeah. you know, and you've got, you're responsible for people's livelihoods, a business. So it's, it is very up and down. I, I love it. And I'm so glad we're still going. And we were 10 years old um, last year, which is like, it's flown by. So I'm I've, it's like really proud that we did it and it's still going. It's great. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, well, let's, We'll come back to maybe the more tricky times, but let's go back to that 2016 year. I mean, phenomenal, like awards coming out of your ears. It must have been. How special was that year for you all? And how are you able to kind of look back and go kind of what, you know, how joyful it was and what a brilliant, brilliant team we were pulling all of this together? Does it yeah, does it look but, real? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the time, you know, again, it was a little bit of a whirlwind. wasn't really aware, you know, when you were getting nominated. But I'm like, you know, Star Wars is the Revenant, you know. But I thought, well, a nomination is amazing. It's great to be part of that. So that was for Oscars and BAFTA. Anyway, we all had Christmas, you know, came back in January. And then all the announcements came out. And you're like, oh, it's on the long list. I was like, oh, that's amazing. And then you get to the short list. And then the fear, I'll be honest, the fear kicked in at that point. I'm like, what's that mean? (laughs) (laughs) What does it mean we're on a short list? (laughs) So, I mean, I've got to go to a, da- a, da- a dash, a, 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 yeah. a bash, that's the word I'm looking for, a bash. You've got to buy a posh rock and that. No, I didn't even, I really had no clue what, how everything happened, you know, worked, what was next. So, 
when we actually funny enough so the BAFTA was announced first and that came through and I was really excited I was like wow we've been we're on the list you know of the five nominees that's fantastic at that point I was just excited and then you know I knew the Oscars one was coming up and that's when I started to get a little nervous you know yeah. anyway when they were doing the announcements <laughs> rather than sit and watch them I actually ran off and went to the gym which is downstairs <laughs> in the basement so I was completely like non-contactable Anyway, so I did all these exercises and I, you know, and I came out of the gym, looked at my phone, there was nothing. And I was like, oh, well, that's it then. Well, you know, it was great. We had Win. the nation. Literally yeah. 30 seconds later, my phone exploded because I obviously picked up a, like a network. And I was like, and, that, and I was literally, I remember just walking back to the office, like numb, but grinning like a Cheshire cat all the way back. <laughs> and they recorded the announcement for me to show me, which was brilliant. Oh, um, so, yeah, it was like amazing, amazing year. That, that you know, I mean... People, you know, you never get that in your lifetime, potentially. Uh, so to, to win an Oscar for the company uh, was amazing. The nomination mm-hmm. for the BAFTA. And then to go on for the Emmy later on in the year, you know, for Sherlock, which we loved. I think that was the third one we'd done. was just, like, phenomenal. You just couldn't, you couldn't believe it. You know, and now it's like the bar is so high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, right? I suppose, and I suppose that is the other flip side of it, yeah. isn't it? Because the highs are incredible yeah. and... What, and and I suppose you know is what people dream about in terms of like particularly running your own company. That's a, such an extraordinary achievement for you all. Yeah. But then it is like right, okay, so now we've got to go back to business and kind of get on and run the company. And how do you all? How did you all manage that? That kind of kind of going back to once that was all done and wrapped, you know, wrapped. And then, as you say, kind of managing managing the company going forwards and kind of knowing. That, that might happen again or it might not happen again that's quite a I think psychologically it's probably quite hard to kind of get to grips with yeah I think you know this is what I always say when the awards things come up and we always say you know who are we going to put down you know it can turn you know it's a hard thing you can't put everybody on you can only put like four names on which you know everybody knows is obviously there's 30 50 80 300 people work on these shows so yeah. you know it's just I guess keeping your feet on the ground it's not recognition for the business yeah. and the, the artists that work there. You know, and what was good about it is, is that recognition from your peers, you know, globally, not just in your little bubble in London. That yeah. was more important, I think. You know, and it's nice to be able to say, you know, if you're going for a new business or to new companies, you know, uh, you know, this is Milk, we're an award-winning, you know, it's a really lovely thing to say. So you kind of just get on with it and, you know, and you hope that, yes, you know, we win some more going down the line. I really hope we do. It kind of motivates you because, you know, you're like, well, look, if we've just done this, we can do it again and again and again. Just keep pushing the envelope to, you know, just produce quality work. You know, and there's so many companies there. The competition is so high. There's so much great work being done by, you know, really, really talented people. So it's kind of nice. It's good. Uh, So how do you manage the split now between the kind of creative juices that you obviously so passionately love versus running the company and and the running a, a business and a successful business how do you balance that for yourself personally and do you feel as though you always get that right no uh <laughs> honestly no um i think you know but now i'm like in production supervising it kind of really takes you out of the business a lot so you know the last three projects and this one i'm doing now you know the shoots were in south africa i think uh, the woman king you know south africa and then it was la so i was pretty much 12 16 months you know gone but you know that's the beauty of having zooms <laughs> you know and yeah. you do as much as you can there's a lot of stuff you can do you know remotely which is good you know but you do end up 
sacrificing part of something, something else, I guess. You know, but the work that I'm doing now is also generating work for the company. So mm. it's important as well as for myself. You know, we've got really good team around us. So, you know, it's there's multiple people that run the company that all have roles that fit within, you know, and I, as much as I'd like to do more, and I do when I'm not in on shows and I'm in between, you know, then I get really stuck in and do as much as I can. But I'm always involved uh, from afar, regardless how busy I am if I'm shooting or in post on a film, uh, because it's important, really. I can't, yeah. I, I love milk, you know, I have done always love milk. So I like to try and do as much as I can without trying to do too much and not mm. do either one very well. Basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, look, Sarah, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> You've got such an incredible career. But one of the things I did want to chat to you about was giving advice or any tips and hints for people that want to get into this bit of the industry what do you advise I mean you've you had such an unusual route into the industry and particularly kind of to into visual effects but if there are young people or anybody out there listening going god this I love this this sounds like I would you know is would be really good for me and I think I've got a real passion for it what's the best way to try and get I suppose experience or knowledge do they need that Anyway, I've, got, I've given you a very long-winded question, but you get where I'm going. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, it's really helpful if, you know, like, art obviously is really good. If you're still, you know, at, at school or uni, et cetera, A-levels, I think doing art, anything creative you can do uh, as part of that is really important. Photography is a really good one because it really teaches you composition. You know, a lot of the artists have come from, like, physics backgrounds, engineering as well. We've had people that have joined in later in life, so... I think having something in your background like that is really going to help. It's not, you know, you don't have to have it. If you don't have it, you're not going to get a job because I didn't, obviously. Mm. Um, you know, it's just a harder brute, I think. But, you know, if you've got a passion for it and it's something you really want, you know, even if you're getting doors shut in your face all the time, you've just got to keep going for it. And I think, you know, there's a lot of training courses around right now. Some are expensive. I totally get that. There's a lot of career fairs that cover, you know, work in our industry. There's places that offer internships as well. So I think you just have to really research. There's a lot of mentoring programs. I think Prospera is one. They're really helpful. And there's always people like myself or other people, you know, that can just give email advice uh, of what people should do and mentor them. So I think there's a lot more. It's really accessible now to people if they really want to do it. I think just surround yourself with courses or events. Meet people. You've got the same mindset as you that want the career doing this. There's so much information online now. And, you know, everything where before we used to do was very specialised and secretive. And you couldn't really know how they did it. Literally jump on YouTube and type in the visual effects breakdown. You can see exactly how it's done, what softwares. So That's a really good tip. That's a really good tip. Something really simple. Yeah, that's a really... Yeah. I mean, yeah, we all do it as supervisors. You know, we don't know everything. Uh, and when every show you do, you're always asked to come up with something, you know, that you've never done before or, or something has been done before. So... Rather than reinvent the wheel, have a look, see what people have been doing. There's a lot mm. of very cool stuff out there. That is the best way. Behind the scenes. Look at behind the scenes on films, television, and then look at all the breakdowns, whether it's costume, hair, makeup, you know, visual effects, which, whichever, it, you know, wherever it is. Uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity out there. A lot of the softwares we're using now do trial versions. Doesn't stop yeah. you just so, doing a trial, you know. No, so which softwares would you recommend then for people if they are looking to just do a trial? Well, it depends on which you want to get into. So I think, you know, if you're going into 3D, there's so many softwares. Houdini is a big one now. Uh, a lot of pipelines yeah. have moved to USD. So I think Houdini is good. 
you know, ZBrush if you're doing texturing, got Maya obviously, which is still a good one, Nuke for compositing. Those are kind of all the main ones. And again, just jump on the internet. Yeah, you'll see what everybody's using. And I think for long form and, you know, film and television, that's what everybody's using. Flame is still used a lot, obviously, in um, commercials. It's client-friendly. So I think, yeah, there's there's a lot of info there for people. Yeah. And I'll, do we still have the same kind of structure, kind of, that you can go in as a runner and then build your way up? Is that kind of, is that the structure that we can, that people can still expect if they're kind of looking? I mean, I personally, for me, it works, you know, and I think it's a really good way. If you're still not sure, you know, if you're just, like, excited by it but not, don't really know if it's for you, you know, mm. just go in as a runner, even if you just did it for six months ago, actually, no, I'd rather be doing something else. At least you know, rather than yeah. paying lots of money for courses or following a path that you're still not sure about, a runner is the best way to to take a look at all areas. Our runners have been promoted, which is one thing we always do at Milk, is make mm. sure that the runners we're getting in, A, want to get into our industry, you know, and have yeah. a passion for it or some background. And it might be production. It might be like finance. It could be anything, you know, there's so many different areas you go into. So I think going as runners are really good opportunities as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. And um, Sarah, I'd love to know, what do you love about this industry so much? Like you've had an incredible career. And as we've talked about, you've worked on some of the biggest film and TV productions that there are and won Oscars and, you know, had lots of incredible nominations. But what keeps the fire alive for you? Uh, I love the fact that every job I do is different. There is no, like, monotony at all. I mean, it's just, you can't get it. I love going out on set and shooting and seeing the the rest of the side of filmmaking, not just visual effects and post-production. Uh, I love all the people, to be honest. You're always meeting new people, which is great. Uh, and I think just that, you know, to be creative and, and you know, you're creating stuff that people are going to sit at home in their lounges or go to cinema and watch and you know, make people happy or sad or scared. Uh, and it's mm. really nice things to be part of. And I look around and sometimes, I don't know, Harry Potter will be on the TV again, you know, which we did like so many years ago. But every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, oh, it's great. You know, it was part of that, part of that yeah. history. Brilliant. So, yeah, you were, absolutely. Yeah, there's lots of things I still love about it. And I always said, if I lose my passion for it, I've got to walk away and do something else because it's yeah. such a hard thing to do if you're not excited by it and, and driven by it to be honest. Yeah, and, and what and why is that? Why do we find that that that, it, that you do need to be driven by it? What I'm passionate about it is it, is it because it's just full on workloads and and as you said, you mentioned travel as well and kind of you can be pulled in lots of different directions. Is that why that can make it challenging? Do you think? I think it's challenging because you know it's a lot. It's a massive learning process if you want to get to one of these areas you want to get to, and you've got you know hundreds of people will bite your ankles to get that same position. You know, and I think it is. Uh, it's a whole career path you know you don't just go in okay you've got this job and then you can promote to this you have to work for it so and I think if you're not completely dedicated to it you know it's you can't just go in it for the money because it's not going to work and you get weeded out very quickly and you know and I think it is hard work you know you have to learn like I said like different softwares or you know if you go out on the shoot size you can't you've got to learn how to hold yourself together on a set and who to speak and who not you know, which is terrifying. And yeah. it, there's, I just don't, it's not like going to work in a shop or just sit behind a desk all day. You know, you really have to get involved and, and you'd want to because you want to become part of the team and help your colleagues and, you know. Yeah. Um, so I just, I think it's a lot of mental, you know, to put into and, and hard work. So if you're not really sure, you know, uh, or you think it's going to give you something else, 
then you know you might find it very frustrating and disappointing but like i said if you're going as a runner maybe you don't even know if you want to get into this industry but yeah, yeah. if you like films for example which is the same for me i like films and reading books okay well i'll try as a runner and then when yeah. i got in there i realized actually that is what i wanted to do yeah yeah i love your story it's it's amazing so final question what do you wish that you knew when you started out in your career that you now know and what and what that would impart to other people? You know what I wish I'd done more of? I was so scared of my own shadow at the beginning. You know, I don't know why I, I felt, I guess, kind of embarrassed to ask questions or how to do things. In my mind, I assumed, oh, my God, if I don't know it, then they're going to think I'm rubbish. Uh, and I really wish, I, I wish there's more people I could have spoken to that I could have gone to as mentors. You know, and I was very lucky. I had a really good bunch of people uh, that I sort of came up with that showed me the ropes. But it was me putting the pressure on myself as opposed to anything else. So I kind of yeah. wished I'd been more vocal and less scared and asked yeah. questions, really. Yeah, I think, right. Yeah, I, I recognise that in myself as well. So, um, yeah, and actually, this is a good lesson for anybody listening as well that's starting out in their career is that people do, do, people do respond well, right? If you ask questions, they want to help and impart knowledge and support you it's very I don't really unusual for somebody to go actually I don't want to help you why would I help you that does just doesn't happen exactly so it's all in our mind you know and it's mm. like actually the more questions you ask the more people are being like oh they're really keen to learn yeah. that's great and they'll give you their time and look if they're busy they'll just be like look I'm really sorry I can't help you right now but you know and then you go okay no worries I'll go and ask so and so so it's kind of just you know and I think it's a confidence thing as well if you're first yeah. starting out yeah yeah Oh, well, look, Sarah, thank you so much for your time today. It's been such a pleasure chatting to you. Good luck with all of your new projects and, and with Milk. I hope it continues to do brilliantly. And I can't wait to see all of your projects on the screens around uh, not just the UK, but globally as well. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you.